Okay, everyone, we want to welcome the Pats' new play-by-play announcer, Dante DeCaria, to Pats Cast. Really excited to talk to you and happy to have you on the program. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, Dante, you're new to the city. Uh, why don't you just give everyone a little bit of a background of who you are and what you're about? Well, who I am, my goodness. Um, <laughs> Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, my family, I come from Italian descent, so I'm a first-generation Canadian. My mom was born in Italy, moved here at age eight. Um, grew up, you know, very, very Italian home, just, just with my mom. My mom raised me as a single parent. Um, and, you know, uh, we kept a lot of Italian traditions growing up, tomato sauce, wine, you name it. So grew up with a very hardcore Italian family. Um, and then, you know, I went to school, born and raised in Ottawa, went to college in Ottawa at Algonquin College for radio broadcasting. For me, uh, I always wanted to be a, a broadcaster from, I think, from the age of like maybe uh, 10 or 11 years old. Uh, it was something that I was always, always interested in. Um, I had a huge passion for sports. I used to wake up and really early in the morning before school and watch Sports Center three times before going to school. You know, I wake up at like maybe 530 in the morning just to watch and I admired, you know, the sports announcers. And at the time when I was younger, I wanted to be on TV doing the highlights. Um, and that was originally what I wanted to do. And then as I got older, I kind of um, maybe thought, OK, I want to host shows on the radio, talk shows. And then play by play just came out of nowhere for me, honestly, yeah. get that get to that in a little bit. But that's kind of, you know me growing up and then you know outside of broadcasting I'm, I'm somebody that likes to you know spend a lot of time outdoors biking uh hiking camping uh exploring nature uh huge passion uh outside of sports is you know nature and animals and stuff like that i love working with animals um you know if i couldn't be a broadcaster i'd love to be involved in some sort of stuff with animals and stuff like that so that's my my passion outside of broadcasting and that's you know what I'm about. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Interesting. So a strong Italian background. Where does, uh, where does hockey fit into that? Was that big in your childhood or no? Not really, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you asked that. So like, I, I grew up first got put into soccer when I was young. And, and I remember going to Italian school because Growing up, we only really spoke Italian in our in in our household. My grandparents didn't speak English, um, and most of my family speaks fluent Italian. And I, um, like I said, I was when I was going to Italian school, we always had to play uh, soccer at lunch, and I hated it. And I hate I hated playing soccer, right? And I played soccer for a couple of years, but I never liked it. And then um, my dad, who my parents were split, but my dad was putting my half-brother into hockey, and he said, why don't you try it too? And I was in grade, I think I was in grade five, and I said, sure. And I, I started playing hockey. I started you know, going to hockey games, going to Ottawa 67s games a lot when I was a kid, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Playing mini sticks at school and stuff like that definitely got me you know, hooked to it. And then... You know, I think, you know, tying into junior hockey, I think the big thing for me was in my first 67s game, I got guys like, I still have that those cards. I got Logan Couture and, you know, 
couple of the previous 67s back then. I can't, but Logan Couture was the big one to sign all the their the cards for me, mm-hmm. and that made me just want to come back to games and stuff like that. And then I started watching hockey, and then um, I really got a, kind of got a passion for baseball. But yeah, I think that's where it first started. 2007 was when I first started watching hockey and playing hockey, and uh, I don't know, it just just kind of stuck with me since. So you integrated into the Canadian lifestyle pretty easily? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I do have to give credit to my uncle, um, my uncle Vito. He, uh, you know, he was he's a Montreal Canadiens fan, and um, he used to, you know, when we go up to the cottage on a Saturday uh, to do whatever we need to do at the cottage when I was younger to help out and stuff like that, he'd always have the Canadiens game gone or Hockey Night in Canada on, on Saturday nights, and I was just glued to the TV. I loved Don Cherry and Ron McLean. They were just, I just loved them so much when I was younger. So it kind of started with that too. And then, uh, I mean, thankfully, I had some people in my family who liked hockey. And then my other uncle who lives in Toronto was a big Leafs fan. So, um, yeah, no, just started watching hockey with them and stuff like that. And then I guess the passion kind of started there for me. And, I mean, even to tie that in, my first ever Sens game, John Paddock was the coach. So, oh. Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you you mentioned you, as a as a younger boy or uh, I'm thinking back to when I was a kid too and the Pats would come to our school and it was just like they were royalty. Like it was the coolest thing to see a Pats player and that's before you knew anything about how old they were <laughs> or what the whole all the ins and Same outs here. of the WHL and it was just I remember yeah, Chad Mercier and Joey Bouvier and seeing those players come to come to our school and uh yeah, they. I, I don't know if the players realize that. I hope they do. That they they have a huge impact on on the community, and those things that they do can uh, really have a lasting impression on on kids. Yeah, like well, it. Sorry to interrupt, but it's it's more accessible, right? You know, kids can can see go to these games. You know, there's the NHL. You know, way up on TV on the the pedestal per se, and it. But you can go and interact with these players and these teams, and it's it's just. It really gets the kids, and same with you know, like the, say the riders, they do the same thing, and and you know, obviously there's and it's not the NFL, but they're on TV as well, but they do the same thing, and it, it really, you know, that starts starts the kids young getting into these sports and teams and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you because they actually did used to come to my schools in Ottawa, and I remember sitting there in like grade three, grade four, just thinking these guys were superstars. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. even, I don't even know who they were. It, it might have not been Logan Couture. It could have been, you know, a fourth line guy, right? Like, exactly. but to me, it was crazy. And they used to give out free tickets and stuff like that. And I, and I would go to my mom, oh, like, I want to go to the game. And here's the tickets. My mom would bring me and, you know, or my dad or whoever. And we would, uh, we'd go watch the games. And, um, I, like I said, I, <laughs> I didn't know anything about hockey. I didn't know the players. I, I don't know. It's just part of being a Canadian, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember one time uh, it was Matt Habauer and Garth Murray. They came out to the outdoor rink. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and Matt Habauer, he's he was an offensive guy. Like he was he was a really pretty talented guy, and uh, so he would just skate. He was just skating circles around us all. <laughs> and, and Garth Murray, he was he was a big defenseman. He played for the Canadians among other NHL teams, but he was just pretty casual that night. I remember. But Habar, yeah, he was out there just giving her all night, and <laughs> it was fun. It was like, oh, there's a couple of pats, and you know, they just came out and have some fun. So it sounds like the uh, the the bug bit you early on. Uh, so 
if someone's interested in broadcasting, you, you go through high school and then where does one go from there? Like for us normal people, uh, we hear you guys on the radio and on see people on TV, but how does one's progression go from say high school and then moving on into, uh, is there post-secondary? Is it on the job training or how does it, how does it all work? So it is post-secondary, but it's really all about experience and how much you love it, how much, uh, you know, how far are you willing to, to fight, to overcome adversity and to work extremely hard, put in the hours of work to get to where you want to be. For example, you know, when I started interning or doing my high school co-ops, I did high school co-op at 16 and grade 11 at Rogers TV. That was a great start. And then my grade 12 year, I did a high school co-op at TSN 1200 in Ottawa, and they, they carry the Sens games and the 67s games. And hearing, you know, them call the games, and I was helping out in studio producing and stuff like that, just made me interested. I'm like, I want to call junior hockey. Like, I want to call hockey. And, you know, I had to, I had to follow the right steps to get there. I knew that it was going to be, you know, a long time. For example, uh, it's six years ago, a couple of days ago, that I called my first ever broad, my first ever hockey game it was a junior B game, and I was eighteen. So yeah, I went to school. I went to post secondary. I went to Algonquin College radio broadcasting. I did a two year program that helped me get my foot in the door. What helped me the most, and why I enjoyed that program so much in terms of you know going to college, was that it was hands on. For example, we had two campus stations in our classroom, which carried hockey games. They carried the junior B team and the junior A team. And so I was able to jump right into the fire right away and and get experience right away. Now, obviously, I had to still go to class and still do stuff like that that, you know, helped me get through the program. And I learned a lot, but it was it, it does tie in the post-secondary does tie into the experience that you need, because really, it, it really comes down to, you know, how good you are can how how well can you do the job and reps. You know, to be a play-by-play broadcaster, you need a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of a lot of games under your belt. So, I started young. I started calling. I was doing both teams that year. You know, they would usually play. You know, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday. And so, I was doing three games a week on top of the schooling. Right, that's a lot of extra hours and stuff like that. Rather than you know going hanging out with my friends and stuff like that. Right, like I was doing hockey games on a on a Friday night in a middle of nowhere town. You know. So, yeah. yeah, so th- I think that's, I think, yeah, post-secondary is important. You have to go to school. There's, there's no way around it. I know some people say to me, oh, you don't have, no, you do. Because usually when you go to school, it leads, it opens other doors to help get the experience that you need through internships and stuff like that. Right. Right. Those uh, free internships. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, well, hold on a second. <laughs> My, my, no, the internship that I did at a school was I was a intern with the Toronto Blue Jays and I did get paid. Oh, nice. So, nice. And, and I lived with my aunt in Toronto. Um, so yeah, it was a great experience. I got paid what? 15 bucks an hour. Um, it's I not bad. obviously, yeah, I worked long hours, but it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's more the connections you make. It sounds like. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. the people I met there were just fantastic. Now maybe getting into mid bit more the nitty-gritty of play-by-play, particularly hockey. I mean, a lot of people have probably sat there and thought, I wonder if I could do that. You know, I really like hockey. I wonder if I could sit there and, and broadcast the game. And and I'm sure many of us have sat there and either in our head or, you know, if you're alone, you try and verbalize it. And 
it is incredibly difficult. I like how does one do you start calling short clips and then build up from there and then um, I can't imagine doing it live. I know we've tried a few live Patscast episodes and it just adds a whole other like nervousness to it. So uh, yeah, like what are the what are the steps to learning how to call play by play? Like it just seems like an overwhelming skill. I Honestly, guys, I don't know if I have a concrete answer just yet because believe it or not, I think about this all the time. I wonder. Like, it's actually something that's on my mind a lot. So I'm happy you asked this question. But right now, when you're asking me this question, I believe that you either have it or you don't. Like, it's either in your blood or it's not. You know, Jerry Howard once once told me, a uh, former Jay's play-by-play voice, who's a very close friend of mine and, and has been my biggest mentor over the years, he said to me that... Uh, your talent is calling baseball, hockey, or calling sports. That's what you're going to do. That is your talent. That's, you know, that's what you were made to be, and that's what I believe. Now, obviously, there was a lot of hard work and and time that went into getting, you know, me where I am supposed to be. But a lot of that, to me, comes to my, you know, my hard work and perseverance, perseverance, and 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 constant mentality that I'm trying to improve every time. Now, going back to your first part of the question was, you know, do you just jump right into it? <laughs> I, guys, I, my first broadcast was a junior B hockey game. I'd never called a hockey game before <laughs> in my life. I just went straight into it, live on the air, live on the radio, 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. Gosh, I still have the clips. If you guys heard it, you'd laugh. Like, it was bad. You know, I mean, but, our first show we re-recorded it uh, oh, probably three or four times yeah. before we put it out. So did you when say? I used to do talk shows too. I I used to do re-record it all the time. Yeah. But the more and more I got more confidence, got better. Um, you know, I started to take advice, critiques from other people, how to improve. Now I can do. Well, I mean, for example, I do I do Pat's TV every Tuesday on Axis, and yeah. we do it all one shot. Oh yeah. Yeah. There wasn't there wasn't any uh, boom goes the dynamites. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, some pretty stupid stuff when I was younger. Um, you know, like going like I used to say clap bomb all the time, and everyone was like, "No, it sounds stupid." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I remember after my first broadcast, my college professor who was listening that night, Dan Mellon, he reached out to me after the game and said, "Obviously, there's a ton of work to do, but." I can hear in your voice the excitement and the passion you have, not only for the sport, but just my first ever game. He can see I had the passion for doing it. And I, was, I had so much fun. That's what made me like, I was like, get me on the mic the next day. I want to do another game. Yeah. Like, that's what's, that's what's got me to where I am is because I have so much fun broadcasting the games and calling hockey and calling whatever sport, baseball or hockey, that keeps, that keeps me going. Right, like I wouldn't be doing this if 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 I didn't like it. Exactly. exactly, it's not a job when you enjoy it that much, right? No, it's not easy. No, you're right. You have to enjoy it, right? You know, a lot of preparation. You know, I I put at least at least six six hours plus into every broadcast in terms yeah. of prep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and also like now more to like maybe a technical skill when you're when you're watching a play, it almost seems like you can't think too much about it because if you start thinking about it then you're getting behind and getting maybe fumbling over words and trying to catch up is it almost like you just 
are observing and it just comes out and it, you know, what you're saying is you're not over-processing it or do you even guys, think about it? No, I, I know exactly. It. Guys, believe it or not, and you're going to think I'm really weird. I black out during games. No, I, I black out. I totally believe that because you almost, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to almost shut your brain off. Yeah. And just be spewing like your eyes and then out through your mouth. Like you can't think. <laughs> I do a lot of, and I might be the first, but this is something I truly believe. I do a lot of mental preparation and meditation going into games mm -hmm. uh, that helps prepare my mind for the task at hand. I honestly, you can ask them like on game day when that game, like tomorrow it's tunnel vision. Like it's 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 ridiculous. I remember in Pal and and this is this has concerned me a little bit, but it's because I get so locked in. Usually, about five five to ten minutes, like post game, whatever. I can't remember the game as soon as I shut the mic off. I I don't remember the game. It takes it takes maybe thirty minutes after the game until I go, oh yeah yeah, because it's just my mind or is just in a, such a different state. You know, like I don't know. I found it really. I'm a little scared when I first noticed this, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was in Power River. I was calling a game. And we won in overtime. And for some reason, after the game, I was, I was like, who scored the overtime? I didn't even know who scored the <laughs> overtime winner. And, yeah. then I, and then as soon as and then as soon as he was like, Abgral, who scored it? And I, the assistant coach said to me, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I literally described, yeah, he had it in the slot. He backhanded it, went through the legs, blah, blah, blah. You know? So, no. So I do a lot of... I do a lot of preparation for, um, like, mentally for these games. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of what I do over the years is um, is I, I watch, like, you know, some of my favorites. You know, I, Jim Houston was, was, I was, I was a big fan of him. And, uh, you know, I like Jack Edwards a lot. Not for how he calls the game, but just for his vocabulary, the way he describes the play. So I like to take different things from different broadcasters in which I admire mm -hmm. when I watch them on TV. I make note of it, and I say, okay, I'm going to try saying this this game. And then it just, just keeps upgrading my vocabulary and keeps getting my call better and better and better. Okay. Well, that leads me sort of to my next question is, do you try and emulate anyone, or is it is that kind of... You don't want to necessarily copy someone's style, but it sounds like you more... You pick I used little to. bits? Okay. I used to. I used to. Um, for me, it was Gary Thorne. He was. He was my favorite. If you guys are familiar with him, um, he was. Well, I mean, my God, he he called Gretzky's uh, record-breaking goal. Like he he called the Korea the the big call where you know it was off the floor on the board. Paul Korea, which was my favorite call ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be like Gary Thorne. And okay. Gary Thorne was was actually. I, I thank him a lot. He helped me a lot. Um, I met him. He was the Orioles broadcaster in 2017. And uh, I was able to meet him and, uh, you know, send him my tapes and stuff like that. And he told me exactly what to work on. And, and I worked on that. And I wouldn't be here where I am today if not for him, for, for what he told me. Um, so, yeah, I, he was somebody that I wanted to emulate. But, you know, as the years got on, I just... You know, I was always told by, by people, they be yourself. And, and that's what I mean. Like, you, you don't try to be someone you're not. Mm -hmm. I'm Dante, and I'm stubborn this way too. But this is the way I call the game. This is who I am as a broadcaster. Either you want me to be Dante, I won't be someone else. I'm, I am Dante DiCaria, and I want to be known for being Dante, not someone else. Excellent.
Um, can you just touch on your your history with baseball and how that compares to hockey? Oh, it's a it's a huge difference. But uh-huh. the thing is, and I'm somebody that likes to look at positives. For me, I think baseball has helped my hockey and vice versa. So with baseball, you really have to relax. And and Jerry Jerry Howarth always uses this term called lag. And what that means is that you allow the play to develop or allow something to happen, and then you say it, right? Rather than anticipating something to happen, and then you, and, and then you jump the gun. Mm-hmm. For example, a guy could pass the puck to the blue line, and there's so many different things that could happen before he grabs that puck. It could either get tipped away, it could take a bad bounce, it can get to center, and it turns into a breakaway, for example, right? So yeah. why say he gets the, you know, say, you know, dishes it back to the line and here's blank. Here's Riker Evans. He's got it right. Something like that, right? Yeah. Why, why jump the gun? So it's almost like allowing, give your mind that split second for that puck to get to the blue line. And then you say he's got it. And another thing with, with what I learned with baseball, it was always name first, action after. Not action, then name. Right? Because... Mm-hmm. Like with that sequence, with the puck coming to the blue line, I can say Evans, and then I can wait for it to happen. Grabs the puck at center. Or I could say one-timer. Evans, one-timer. Or I could say it skips past him, it's out to center, short-handed breakaway, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That way, I give... I don't look... It's not a mistake, right? Whereas if I say he did something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So those are the couple of things that I learned with baseball. I think it was, you know... And another thing was, I was always told in baseball, keep it simple. You don't want to overcomplicate things because when the balls hit, so many things are happening. Like, the hardest thing is when there's guys on runners, runners on first and second, and a guy hits the ball down the line, yeah. right? The guy from second's probably going to score, but the guy's going to go first to third and it's going to be a play at third. You have to describe everything that's going on and make sure you know what's happening, right? So I always have used all this trouble like trying to describe everything. And I was always told Dante, just relax, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And I try to do, and I try to do that with my hockey. Honestly, I, I think those are the two biggest things that I take into my hockey. And like, I'm not like I think what has made me the broadcaster that I am today is the fact that I would call sports all year round. I would go hockey, baseball, hockey, baseball, hockey, baseball. I, I never had any time off outside yeah. of the pandemic. I was constantly on the air. You're broadcasting over the air primarily. Do you ever? Do have you ever done? TV? Um, not until this year, and until I started doing the access with uh, Kelly Rempel on uh, every Tuesday, we do Pat's TV. Right. So that was my first time being on camera doing any camera work. I've only ever called games on radio. And that's where my passion is, really. I love calling games on radio. Yeah. Is there, a, would there be a major difference between TV and radio? Yeah, there's, there's, it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. TV, you have to say less. You describe mm-hmm. less. Radio, you're constantly trying to paint the picture for the listener. You're constantly updating the score, what's happening. Whereas in TV, there's graphics that literally help you the whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Radio, you're your own producer. You're driving the bus. TV, you have so many other people that are in your ear and stuff like that. Right. Like, I remember, I remember, you know, um, and this might tie into it, but I remember I called 
what was it? Dan Shulman came down and called the game with his son, Ben, who I know pretty well. I used to call baseball games with Dan's son. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to do a game together. We were broadcasting a team in Barrie. And uh, he came down and he turns to him and I after the game. And he's like, this is way harder than doing it on TV. He's <laughs> like, you, you do your own prep. You do this, you do that, you do that. You don't have no, no monitors. You're relying on your eyes. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's the same thing with radio. You know, like you, you have to be like, I'm not saying TV is, is easy. It's not, but radio is, I think anybody would tell you is a lot more difficult. I, yeah, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. I was just wanted to hear it in your words. Um, we were sitting beside, uh, Rod Peterson upstairs once and just, it was interesting because we were watching the game live and hearing his play by play at the same time. And, uh, his was for TV and yeah, it was just, you can sense the difference, right? They rely a bit more on the viewer watching it. And what's really interesting is watching on WHL TV and they sync it with the radio broadcast. So you get like the full radio broadcast with TV on top of it. And it's like, I don't know, like super coverage. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like when I rewatch, like, it's almost like, Oh, you're describing all this, this and that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm on radio. Like I have to, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and my goal is I want the game to be as easy to listen to as possible for the listener. I want the listener to understand what is happening and to picture it in their mind. You know, I think the biggest compliment for me I ever got, it was when I was working in Powell River and there was this, uh, there was this blind kid who loved listening on the radio and his parents found me in the rink i was probably going to the washroom or something and introduced me to their son and you know he told me that you know i'm his eyes for him for the games Mm -hmm. and and that touched me honestly and i I, from right then and there i remember walking back to my booth and i said to myself that's like that's why i love radio like that's not the only reason why but that was just just an example of why i like it just that's stuck with me because I feel it's so important to make sure that I am on point every single game, that I am describing things the right way and good enough for people to picture. It's not just someone who's blind, but Mm -hmm. it's anybody. Mm -hmm. And I, that, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It was very touching to, to meet that, to meet that individual and, and just him talking to me, just it, you know, it met, it met my heart right away. Interesting. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, no, just, uh, kind of turn the topic a little bit so you're you're a younger guy what early early 20s i just turned 24 in october so you've mentioned a few different places that you've lived um how how has that been transitioning and working and and doing all these things all across canada how's that shaped you well i'm finally happy to finally settle down and with a team you know here in regina that's Mm -hmm. that's what makes me really happy that i know i'm that I'm going to be here and I'm going to build my career going forward here with the Pats and to get to the NHL one day is what is my goal. Right. And I think that I can do it. I'm, I have full confidence that I can do it, but you know, work's not done just yet. Um, for me, I, I was, I remember when I first got into school and that's another thing going back to earlier in this podcast where you talked about getting into the interest industry, you have to be willing to get up and go where the opportunities come. So for me, I was told that right off the bat, my teacher's like, are you ready to get up and go anywhere? And I said, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to take not great pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Work your way up. And 
you know, I've I've lived in Toronto, Lansing, Michigan, Powell River, British Columbia, and now Regina, Saskatchewan. So I've moved around four times. Mm-hmm. All all different places are very unique in their own way. Um, was it difficult? You know what? I have to be grateful for the people that I had around me. My mom, obviously, who wasn't there physically, but she supported it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my When I moved and lived with my aunt, who I was very close with, that was awesome. That was a great experience. I learned a lot there, not only with the people I worked with with the Blue Jays, but my family. Um, when I went to Lansing, that was a much different experience because I roomed with several Dominican players, one of which played in the MLB last year. And... Um, and I had a billet family, mm-hmm. so that was a different experience. So I got to live with a host family and Carol and Dale Walker were my host parents and they were fantastic. They have hosted several different major league baseball players over the year. Roberto Osuna being one of them, Noah Syndergaard being another for an example. So they were an awesome family and they, and they helped me in so many different ways. And then when I went to Powell river, small town, didn't really know too many people. Yeah, I rented a basement suite from a family, Wendy and Paul Goodwin, and they treated me like family. Yeah, yeah that I was living down there. It was obviously it's a kind of a different situation be- because you don't often have the landlord interact with the tenant, but you know, we would often, you know, they 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 showed me around uh we did so many different things and stuff like that, especially during the first part of the pandemic in which I was there. So all this, all the situations are unique, and I wouldn't change anything in the world, and I wouldn't take any of them back. They have all shaped me in my life, and who I am today. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm really grateful for all the places I've worked in, and all the cities I've been, because I've met so many great people along this path that I've been on. Yeah, that's a lot of life experience at a, a young age. Yeah. So, nineteen, age nineteen, I was in Toronto, big city. That was a huge eye opener big learning experience for me age 20 i moved to the u.s that was i'm not going to say it was easy it was tough living in another country mm-hmm. uh, and then powell river i was as far as possible i could be away from home mm-hmm. <laughs> at age 21 and then now here in regina at 24 right yeah so i was going to ask you your professional goal so it is to get to the nhl yeah 100 percent. you know um i'd love to it would be the MLB, one of those two, but yeah. uh, I think I'm a good baseball broadcaster as well. I don't think that's what the future holds for me personally. Just, you know, I, 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 that was my goal originally, but now I've shifted my mindset to hockey and that's mm-hmm. what I'm focused on. But for me, I said this on another podcast a couple of days ago. I said that hot, like hockey's not easy in terms of the schedule and stuff like that, but it's way easier than baseball i remember after my first year in lance my the one year in lansing with 142 game season they play every day that's what people have to understand it's like the mlb you play every single day yeah no off you get two off days a month and you're just absolutely exhausted when the season was over and the trips are crazy like bus all the time like here but you have more time to chill i find mm-hmm. and that was i look after that season was done i was just so exhausted i couldn't move for like three days i was sick it was just to me it was like i don't think i want to do this right like i want and i looked at hockey and saw yeah the schedule is tough but 
in baseball, I wouldn't be able to talk to you guys at nine <laughs> o'clock on a Friday night. You know what I mean? No. I just felt like I just felt like I had more time um, to just enjoy my life a little bit more and do things that I like to do. And there's other things that I'm passionate about that when I was doing hockey and then baseball that I wasn't able to do. And since I've solely just focused on one sport as my main profession, I've been able to do a lot of other things outside of 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 the rink and outside of the office that have made me a much happier person. Excellent. Yeah, I don't know if the local baseball team is looking, but uh, yeah. they don't. We, we've got a summer collegiate. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I'm very familiar with the Regina Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. So, but they they have a pretty good. Uh, I think Zinger. Yeah, has some, a pretty good summer job. collegiate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, who's your favorite hockey team? Are you allowed to have one? NHL. Honestly, I I. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not lying to you guys. I don't have a favorite team. Are you, um, are you bilingual French? No, no, no. no. Growing not. up in Ottawa, no. <laughs> I dropped out of French after grade <laughs> nine. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's the crazy, uh, you know, I, I, I know I touched on this in the article that Rob Vanstone wrote, but uh, I was somebody growing up that, um, you know, I didn't have good grades at all. I, you know, I, I could have flunked out of high school for all, for, for all I know. You know what I mean? I, it was, uh, you know, it was more when I got to college that I, uh, things started to pick up for me. And I mean, even to go off that, I actually, I didn't even get, I couldn't get accepted in any broadcast school in the country, period. Mm-hmm. Nobody would take me in grade 12. My mark, my grades sucked. Um, I, but I was able to get into Algonquin because I emailed the, the prof and who is now one of my close friends and told him this would be the biggest mistake you ever make. And so far I still think it is. So I, uh, yeah, I, to me, it's just the passion and the hard work that have got me, you know, where I am today and not, you know, and just being able to overcome a lot of adversity and not letting people tell me what I can and can't do and, and, and never let my dreams die. Very interesting. I was you. Uh, I heard an interview with you at some point, and you mentioned you've you've been around the Jays and you dealt with some of their stars like Donaldson and stuff, guys, guys like that. How did that kind of prepare you for maybe coming here and and dealing with the you know the Connor Bedard hype, like the media you know hype about it and and the requests and all that stuff. Instrumental. I don't I don't know if I could do the job the way I'm doing it right now and and be around Bedard the way I am if not for that experience I'll be honest with you guys it was not easy going to the Blue Jays especially at 19 I I was crapping my pants every day for two months straight like <laughs> you know what I mean I like I like I, I, I still remember my first day walking into Rogers Center opening day 2017 Brewers and Blue Jays I'm I'm you know, my boss takes me down. We're in the clubhouse, and there's Russell Martin. There's Josh Donaldson. There's Jose Bautista. There's Troy Tulowski. I'm like, holy crap! You know, like I was, I was losing it. But it wasn't even just those guys. The first player I ever saw with my own two eyes was like Jason Grilly, and I was freaking out about him. You know, like, and then it was, and then it didn't stop there. I, I saw all my the media members like Buck Martinez and Dan mm-hmm. Schulman, all those guys that I grew up idolizing, and they're all there talking to me. And I, it, it was it was not easy at all. And it took me that season was just so instrumental in, in helping me prepare. You know, now when I see 
You know, when I deal, even with a guy like John Paddock, who I grew up, you know, knowing of him because he was our head coach in Ottawa and he was our assistant coach, right? And mm -hmm. just, he's just another guy and he's a phenomenal guy as well. He makes it really, it's really easy to work with him. But even a guy like Connor, when I first, people were messing me, are you nervous? I'm like, no. You know, like I've, I've dealt with guys like this before and Connor is thankfully a really good guy. He's a really great kid to work with and it's been a smooth transition process. But if not for that time in Toronto, I, I don't think I'd be able to handle it the way I, the way I am right now. Yeah, just another learning experience along the journey, hey? 100%. Um, and, and, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that everything was, you know, all all pretty with, with the Jays. I made a lot of mistakes. I screwed up a lot. Um, I own up to those mistakes. I learned from them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to say I piss a lot. I piss people off, 100%. But I was an intern. I was 19. I was naive, but I'm still thankful for the people that I met there because if not for them and their support and believing in me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. And those people that I was able to gravitate towards, like a Jerry Howard, just kind of rubbed off on me and, and just made me, you know, I just wanted to be like them. Yeah, nice. Good. Well, Dante, uh, this has been extremely interesting to me and hopefully all our listeners uh you're a very talented young man it sounds like you've got a really good head on your shoulders and uh if you keep up this this work and uh they keep up the drive i i'm fairly confident in saying you're going to have success in this industry and um yeah we just want to thank you for your time tonight and yeah we really appreciate it thanks boys just hoping this leads as a stepping stone to something else bigger and better in my career but right now just absolutely honored and so proud to be here with the pats just so happy to be here thanks for having me awesome thank you thank you good night